And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia, and Happy New Year from Victoria to Terrace and uh, 18 cities in between here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gizmondi with Casey Wilson. It's 2022, a new year, and the BC Food and Wine Radio team feels very positive about the next 12 months in front of us. Once again, our plans are to travel multiple wine regions across British Columbia. On the show today, we head north past Kelowna Airport to Lake Country to chat with Curtis Cruzel and Sherry Lee Turner Cruzel at the 50th Parallel Estate Winery and Block One Restaurant. Block One also represents the Vineyard Block, now producing some of the estate's finest fruit for their award-winning wines. From Lake Country, we head south to the Naramata Bench for a fun chat with the Master of Wine and Winemaker, Marcus Ansoms, at Daydreamer Wine. Still on the Naramata Bench, we speak with Dwight Sick. He's the chief winemaker, and he's running the show at Moraine Estate Winery. And next, for some, it might be a dry January, and we'll visit with Mark Cuspira of Soft Crush to talk about his thoughts on rethinking drinking without alcohol. That's next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Happy New Year. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover gold. It's the season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. This winter, join us at Black Hills Estate Winery for an intimate and informative seated wine experience with our team of wine educators. Sample our renowned portfolio of wines, including the rare and wine club exclusive Carmenier, and learn about the terroir that makes the Black Sage Bench region so unique. Our current releases are available online for gifting and stocking up your cellar. Find out more about our available wines, wine club benefits, or book one of our seated wine experiences at blackhillswinery.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute? Happy New Year, British Columbia. Thanks for listening each week on the radio and on our podcast. We welcome you to another uh, great conversation, a timely one, as we welcome in the second week 
of New Year 2022. Uh, for some, it's going to be a dry January. And joining us now is Mark Kuspira. He's the founder and proprietor of Soft Crush to talk about his thoughts on rethinking drinking. Mark, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. We really want to change, even just what Tony said, dry January. We're trying to change with when it comes to non-alcoholic wines. We don't want those kinds of things used on, you know, when we're speaking about people not drinking. Yeah, I totally understand. I think it's about moderation and, you know, different thresholds for different people for sure. Yes. Well, you, you're the founder of Soft Crush. You, you've decided to jump, uh, it looks like, headlong into the, into the market of uh, selling, uh, you know, drinks without alcohol in them. Is it a big market out there, Mark? Like, what, what is the research telling you? The research is telling us that, you know, you know one in five people in the world do not consume alcohol. Um, we've seen, you know, double-digit growth globally for the category. And it's very fresh here in Canada, so we don't have a lot of sales stats yet. Uh, but we expect the category to grow by over 30% over the next four years. Hmm. Well, what do you say to people who, who would just say, like, I, I, you know, might say, well, if, if, if you don't want to drink alcohol, drink something else. Well, why drink? Why make a drink with no alcohol in it? Like, I'm just trying to figure out what that drink is, you know? Yeah, I think it's for, you know, for many different reasons why people do not want to drink alcohol, but if you're a wine drinker, for instance, all of the products that I carry are actually from traditional wine growing regions, like the Veneto or the Rheingau or La Mancha in Spain. So these are great alternatives to an actual wine experience without the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, well, I, I can imagine, I, I was talking to Casey about this earlier, about uh, if I don't have wine with my dinner, I, I don't really want a glass of water or, you know, a soft drink. So so maybe it is a good option. Uh, my only thing is it's hard for me to, to uh, pronounce on those kind of products. And often, you know, suppliers will come up to me and say, here's my non-alcoholic product. Can you tell me what you think? And, and uh, I know less about it than the people who drink it all the time. I mean, that's why I report on wine. I drink it all the time. <laughs> Maybe we need some new, re- <laughs> new reporting on, on non-alcoholic products. Yeah, that'd be great if we could get some more serious information about the category and how it's growing. There is one great organization out of uh, the UK that does great reporting on now and alcoholic trends, uh, but we have yet to see really solid data come out of Canada yet. Hmm. And how difficult is it to take out the alcohol in wines and spirits, but not lose <clears throat> the flavor? Right. I mean, the key proprietary patented way that uh, my producers are using is called vacuum distillation. So this happens in Germany. All my products are actually de-alcoholized in Germany. And what happens is they actually do uh, heat up the wine to about 29 degrees for about one minute. And this gets rid of the alcohol. And what happens is there's preservation chambers for flavors and aroma that are reintroduced into the wine once that de-alkalization happens. Hmm. So it's quite the process. I can't wait to see it. I don't even know if I'm allowed to go see it because <laughs> it's that patented. So wow. it's, uh, I think it's like top secret. So, um, you know, there's other processes too. People use centrifuges to spin out the alcohol. But right. currently, most of my producers are using this technology in Germany. 
Mm. Our guest is Mark Kasperi. He's the founder and proprietor of Soft Crush uh, out of Calgary. Uh, but the wines, w- w- the wines will be available across the country. Is it is it being rolled out? I know they're coming to BC. Yes, we are. We're kind of a national company now, which is great. We've got distribution from Ontario all the way to the West Coast. Uh, and then we're looking to Atlantic Canada and Quebec in the new year for sure. Um, but yeah, we're thrilled with the, the rollout so far. And where are the wines made? Oh, many different regions. So um, the Lights product from, is from Germany, a very traditional winemaker from the Rheingau region. Benjamin Bridge from Canada uh, actually has a Piquet Zero uh, from the Gaspro Valley in Nova Scotia. Right. Uh, Naughty is... Um, Wine that's made from grapes in La Mancha in Spain. And then our Oddbird brand is uh, got several different regions. They've got the Veneto, and they've got the Languedoc-Roussillon in France. Yeah. So that's, many that's different regions, cool. so very traditional regions. It is. It is that's cool. amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's kind of the ethos that we want to run with. We want to have traditional winemaking techniques, grape growing, and regions that we're working with. Yeah, I like that because in some ways, uh, sometimes it's just sort of goofy wine. You know, you go and look at it in in a, you know in a store, and the non-alcoholic wine is kind of just goofy labels and goofy wine with n- nothing in them. And this is like the real thing. So I think it's a it's a this nice is, step up. Yeah, it's the real thing. It's not your it's not your regular grocery store juice concentrate that we think of when we think of non-alcoholic wines. Who is who is the non-alcoholic drinker from your research? Is it a is it an age bracket or is it a uh, is it men or women or what what is it? You know what the funny thing is? I think it's multi generational, multi ethnic, uh, faith based reasons. The research is got the whole gambit running across it. So we're thrilled that you know it's kind of going to bridge a lot of. A lot of gaps for everybody in their consumption and inclusive hospitality and not feeling left out. So we're quite excited about the, the demographic. It's uh, kind of a little bit of everyone. I mean, it strikes me that that sparkling wine might be interesting because that bubble in there would, you know, it presents another layer of complexity or, or push on the palate anyways. And I, I think that would fill some of the gaps if in fact there are gaps if one even is even allowed to say that because uh, for me it's mostly about texture i guess that there you know the the old style non-alcoholic beverages usually lack a bit of texture or weight that uh, we normally see in, in in those products yeah i agree the 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 bubbly certainly gives a better effect uh on your palate that you're not missing the alcohol with the still wines are a little bit, you know, missing that mid palate, the viscosity that alcohol gives. But we're seeing some great examples come out now, and we're thrilled with the the experimentation and you know the quality that's coming out now. And, yeah. what, and it, what about drink recipes? Can we make cocktails with soft crushed <clears throat> wines and spirits? We sure can. Yeah, we've got a product out of Germany called Undone, and. It's a bunch of bartenders that came up with these uh, non-alcoholic spirits, if you will. And they're actually traditionally made from real distillates. So they're using pot stills. They're using cane sugar for the rum. Um, so we've got a you know, gin replacement, a rum replacement, a red and a white vermouth. We've also got a Campari replacement. So we're able to make a Negroni. We're always we're making a Campari spritz, if you will. Um, hmm. So all of those things, we can actually yeah, make a cocktail. 
well, okay, we are, uh, you know, you live in a free and open market, but uh, what is the plan for BC? How, how will these wines arrive here, and when will we see them, and who will be selling them? Do you have any of that uh, yeah. uh, in, in the yeah. works? They are in market already. They are being distributed through all the private retail stores mm-hmm. uh, and some and some restaurants. So Jack's, Cascadia, Lighthouse, Wine and Beyond. These stores have already listed some of these products. Uh, and then we're thrilled that Highs nationally has listed some of the products at the Steakhouse. Wow. Um, yeah, we're, we're thrilled. We were thrilled with that. <laughs> so. Uh, and then Ancora in Vancouver is carrying some of the products. And then a new restaurant on Commercial Drive called The Drive Canteen is carrying some of the products. So we're getting there slowly but surely. So, yeah. And it takes uh, a lot of education. Like I've been out for dinner when people have ordered a non-alcoholic drink, you know, kind of quietly. And then a server will come to the table and said, who ordered the non-alcoholic drink? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is going to be an education process. But, you know, um, I think this movement, which I don't think is going to be going away, um, it's kind of like think about like vegetarians and vegans and when they used to dine out and their options were Yes, you're right. That's a very good point. And I think that this is is the next step in in hospitality and catering to everybody that's sitting at that table. Yes. Well, for our listeners, softcrush.ca, you can go over to that site and check out some of the wines and then go looking for them in uh, private wine shops across the province uh, at the moment and in restaurants and more to come. And we're going to catch up with you, Mark, later on as they roll into the market and talk more about the wine specifically and what's available. But uh, great to get the the first story of the new year on that uh, out uh, for folks who uh, may be thinking about uh, drinking more, uh, more wine, less alcoholic wine. How about that? Sounds great. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, Mark Kaspira, he's the founder and proprietor of Soft Crush. Uh, we've been talking about uh, non-alcoholic products, which are really making a big comeback, Casey, uh, in uh, the world of uh, drinks. Yes, and uh, I think it's very positive. Still more to come on our uh, Valley First Winemaker Profile Series. We head to the Naramata Bench for a couple of conversations with winemakers at Moraine and Day Dreamer Wineries. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson & Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles. No alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines 
with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe and inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. I can only mean one thing. Ever since I left the city, you, you, you. Happy New Year, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. On the show today, we're showcasing some of the discussions we had last year with our Valley First Winemaker Profile Series. Dwight Sixman making wines in BC for some time. He spent the last decade as a winemaker at Stag's Hollow, but has recently come to Moraine Estate Winery just before the 2018 harvest. In this conversation, we talked about Harvest 2021, and we delve into some of the special characteristics of the Naramata Bench and what the focus will be moving forward at Moraine Winery. Here's our discussion with Dwight, beginning with his early days in the wine business. I spent 19 years in the airline industry uh, as my first career, and uh, quite by chance, in my travels to the south part of the Pacific in Australia, um, really discovered uh, my next career, moving on into sort of winemaking and a love of, of wine and, and getting back into the sciences of, of wine. What airline were you with? Started off Ward Air. Okay. Went through the merger process with Canadian Airlines and then went through the merger process <laughs> with Air Canada. Yeah, I was with Canadian. Uh, yeah, it was a long, long road of bumps. Yes. Yeah. Well, Dwight, a lot of people do know you from uh, your most recent work over at Stag's Leap. Uh, Stag's Leap. Stag's. Uh, <laughs> Hollow. Why do Stag's I want to say Stag's? Yeah, Stag's Hollow. It's natural to say it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought we'd start there. So you did quite a bit of work in the Okanagan Falls. Now you've moved to the Naramata bench. So how is that different for you? Does that present any different challenges, or, or how would you look at it uh, moving up a little further north? Um, you know, really what it came down to was I, I was quite intimate with the vineyards in, in Okanagan Falls, and I think, you know, there's there's always a process when you're moving into new sites of, of coming to an understanding of those sites that you can actually encapsulate the true identity of the fruit and the vineyards into the wines. Yeah. Um, the Naramata area is different in that the soils are heavier and siltier and they hold moisture differently. They, they warm up differently in the spring. So it's, it's been a, a bit of a learning curve in understanding the vineyards, but you know what, um, I've had enough time here now that I'm feeling pretty comfortable with our sites. 
Yeah, well, uh, I I kind of call it the sweet spot in the Okanagan. It seems like anything's possible there. Uh, so I, I think you're going to have a lot of fun there. Do you, is there a lot of work to do in terms of what you're growing? Are you happy with what you have, or will you sort of change things? Or how how does a new how does that approach work when you walk into a new winery? The vast majority of I think of our portfolio was was correct as far as you know the wines that we're making. It was just really trying to narrow down where we were sourcing our materials from, our grapes from, and putting an emphasis on as much estate-grown fruit as possible. Um, and, and we're getting closer and closer now to, to being able to say that, you know, we'll be, you know, in the next few years, I would say we should be estate-grown 100%. We're probably about 85% at the moment. Okay. And we're about 85% of that fruit actually being from the Naramata Bench as well. That's great. Our guest is Dwight Sick. He's the winemaker at Moraine Winery on the Naramata Bench. Dwight, what are some of your favorite grape varieties to work with, and and why? Personally, for me, I've I've always had this attraction to working with Rhone varietals. So in our portfolio here at at Moraine, the two grapes that probably take the biggest part of my heart are probably Viognier and Syrah. And they're both two grapes, I think, that were on the cusp of being almost too far north to do them well. And so as a result of that, the further away you get from that sort of point of, of uh, security of, of being able to consistently ripen the fruit and the harder the fruit's got to work to reach that sort of level of maturity, um, the more interesting the wines are. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're never going to be a big powerhouse in those varietals, but they're super interesting wines, and, and they, they definitely hold a special space in my heart. And, and in terms of, uh, well, I know you use the word Rhone, but we do have a, we do have kind of a distinctive style, I would say, now for uh, for these varieties in the Okanagan uh, and uh, I don't know what will happen with global warming, but it seems like it's possible to grow these varieties, uh, uh, maybe not with ease, but if, if they make it through the winter, we we've, we really have some high-quality Syrah across British Columbia. I would agree with that, yeah. I, I think the one identifying factor that we have that many other locations in the world that are growing Syrah don't have is, is just the amazing natural acidity uh, that our grapes just have here and it, it, yeah. i think it's an identifying factor that you know when you're tasting through a, a set of wines it's it's almost you know it's, it's like the thumbprint of the wine you can identify that wine as being from the okanagan uh well it's harvest time uh, at the moment uh can you give us a very quick update where you're at have you started will you start soon or how, how's it going yeah, we're we're frantically preparing. Um, you know, we're out in the vineyards just trying to do a last pass through of, of some of the later Bordeaux reds as far as uh, a last pass of green thinning through the vineyard to get any immature clusters out of there. Um, yeah. The earlier pick varieties or the, the sparkling varieties, they're on, on our doorstep. We're, we're picking Friday and Saturday, actually, of this week. Um, I would say overall we're probably seven to ten days ahead of where we would be in a normal year. Wow. And Dwight, do you have any um, superstitions about harvest? Do you wear certain clothes <laughs> or eat certain food during that crazy time? Uh, 
You know what? About the only thing that really changes around here as far as superstitions or practices is I ensure that we've always got some beer in the fridge so that at the end of the night, once we've put in a good, long, hard day and everybody's just in their rubber boots and doing a cleanup, they've got one hand with a hose and one hand with a beer at the end of the night. Maybe you could talk to the president of our radio station about that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, every show's a harvest a i think <laughs> yeah I, I think every show's a harvest here we could use that perhaps uh dwight uh, another thing i'm interested in there's always a lot of angst in the okanagan are we any good are we better than the rest of them are we catching up where are we on the world stage how do you look at bc today and where it sits and the either the recognition it has or doesn't have well how would you uh look at that situation I would say we've we've progressed pretty dramatically over the past 20 years. You know, I would say in the beginning of my career, there was probably a quarter of the wine that I would have considered as being quality um, wine on the world scale. I would say we're probably two-thirds of what is coming out of the valley now could compete quite well. Um, I think our price points of our wine on a global scale might be be slightly inflated but a lot of that has to do with just the logistics of producing wine here in the valley and the the Mm -hmm. production costs relative to anywhere else in the world Mm -hmm. and dwight what country would you like to visit for its vineyards you know i've traveled quite a bit but the vineyards that again kind of resonate with me is just across the line from us down in washington state to be truthful um some of the vineyards around the Walla Walla area there just absolutely blow my mind when I get to spend time down there and, and how extreme the sites are and and the quality of the fruit that comes out of those extreme sites. And that mm. would be really exciting fruit to work with down there. Lots of challenges going on in the business today from global warming to wildfires to uh, I, I think a lot of things that probably weren't in, weren't in winemakers' minds uh, two or three decades ago uh, but are more of reality now. It's not an easy business to, to get a harvest in anymore. No, I think there's, there's always challenges. And, and the, you know, the, the old story of the only one thing that's consistent in the business is change is is even more so true now. Um, we face different challenges every vintage, every growing season that we've never seen before. And uh, it's going to be an ever-evolving rolling ball for us, I think, you know, for the seeable future. Uh, well, Dwight, it's been great to catch up with you today and just learn a little bit about your uh, your new job, I guess, at Moreno, although you've been there for a while now. I guess I have one last question. Have you thought about... Any new wines at Moraine or something that's in uh, in the back on the back burner that we might see in the next year or two or a little slight change in direction? Um, I, I would say overall, I'm not going to make any you know profound changes to the portfolio, but you'll probably see a little more segregation of like reserve quality wines or single vineyard wines that just really stick out from the main portfolio as being uniquely different. Um, that maybe site-specific wines, like I said. And I think we'll see a little more of that popping up in the portfolio. I've already wow. kind of started with that in the past. Vintages is here. We did a single varietal Cab Sav. I think that will probably move into our main portfolio this year. Hmm. Uh, well, thanks for giving us uh, a bit of your super valuable time this month. I know with Harvest On, uh, it's busy, but uh, we really appreciate catching up with you today. 
and uh, hope we can talk to you more after a harvest about the wines that are actually in the tanks. Thanks so much, Dwight Sick. Thank you, Tony. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as 399000 Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. Red Rooster Winery invites you to visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Enjoy the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountains from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their new release of Pinot 3, a co-fermented blend of Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Gris to sip while you take in the views. Tastings are offered seven days a week from noon to five this winter. Come for the views and stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia, and Happy New Year from the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. The Naramata Bench is home to over 40 wineries within a 20-minute drive of each other, and one of those is Daydreamer Wines, home to winemaker Marcus Ansem and family. Marcus is an Australian-born winemaker who fell in love with wine as a young boy. He's worked over 30 vintages worldwide, making wine in Europe, South Africa, Australia, and now his home in British Columbia. In 2013, he and his wife Rachel set up a small, organic-focused winery on Naramata Bench when there was only six wineries, and they've never looked back. You could say it was a dream come true. This is from our Valley First Winemaker Profile Series and Day Driven Wines. Here is Marcus Ansem. Yeah, so we're uh, we're now finished picking. We uh, we just picked our riesling a few days ago, and that was the last of our fruit to come in. So we're done from a harvest perspective, and uh, we've got lots of red wines that we're making inside at the moment. But uh, outside work's done for the moment. 
Yeah, well, maybe people don't know. How long will it take you to clear all the tanks and, you know, get those wines into barrel and maybe you can have a little bit of a rest? Uh, so we've got, uh, at the moment, we've got some um, some Bordeaux varieties fermenting on skin. So we've got some Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon. We have a little bit of Syrah, a little bit of Shiraz. So um, uh, normally uh, our ferments can run anywhere from, seven to ten days if, if we're uh, in just doing a standard fermentation or things like our Bordeaux varieties, we tend to keep them on skins for a while um, and we run all our ferments with uh, natural ferments so sometimes they, they take a bit longer and are a little bit slower so we could be up to, up to 30 days on skins. Wow. So That's... yeah, that puts us into November. Yeah. And Marcus, it's a real family winery daydreamer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my wife and I started it in uh, 2013, and uh, we've got three kids, and we live on the property here, and we've got uh, a few sheep, some dogs, a cat, a cat. So it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely a family. All all the family get involved. I I read that your kids were getting involved uh, during COVID. You were homeschooling them, and uh, you got them out into the vineyard. How's that been going? Oh, pretty good. I mean, COVID's pretty tough on kids generally, I think, and um, we're we're a little bit lucky in that we have uh, some space. And um, I think that being outside, working with uh, with the vines and and helping out around the the winery is not the worst thing for mental health and just a bit of exercise and good for our family generally. Mm. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about some of your philosophies. I know you're a fan of uh, or- organics, biodynamics, sustainability. Uh, wh- where does that all start with you, and, and why why are you doing it, and why would you maybe would you recommend that other people follow that path as well? Um, I've, I guess, uh, sort of going back a little bit. My um, my family had an interest in in a winery in Australia in the Grampians area of Victoria. So I sort of did my first vintage when I was about 14 years old. Um, and I, I guess I was lucky. I worked with my uncle Trevor, Trevor Mast, and he uh, he was one of the few um, people at that time. I think he was, we were actually the first um, vineyard that was certified biodynamic in Australia. Um, that was that was a long time ago now, but um, so, so I, I was exposed to some of those transitional um, issues early on. You know, we we worked with an older vineyard, and um, uh, we found that our yields were dropping off, and uh, the, the vineyard's health was starting to deteriorate using conventional viticulture. And so that was the original um, impetus to, to change over and that was successful ultimately, you know, to get some of the older vines back to health. And, mm. and uh, yeah, after, after I kind of set on my own journey, I, I, uh, I, I came to realise that a lot of the wines I really loved tended to be made organically or biodynamically or, you know, from, from a sort of sustainable bent. Um, so that was kind of that was where I got some of the initial uh, motivation to, to go down that path. But you know, it's it's, it's a long path, and I I, I started yeah. doing conventional winemaking and conventional viticulture. I've got a I've got a, a science degree, um, and so you know I, I came at it from a from a fairly traditional um, perspective initially. Our guest is Marcus Ansoms of Daydreamer Wines. And Marcus, is it more expensive to do that? to go that route it is yeah it is i think you know maybe long term uh it it uh it makes more financial sense but initially there's there's costs involved so you're probably looking at least 30 percent more cost to run an organic vineyard um and then in the winery there's there's sometimes more risk if you don't know what you're doing and 
um, just generally letting nature take its courses has, uh, uh, you know, it's. I would I wouldn't recommend it to to people that don't have experience in it. It can it can be tricky and, and there can be risks involved. Yes. Yeah, I've often heard that you know if you want to be organic or biodynamic. Uh, you really have to be a fantastic viticulturalist. You can't make many mistakes out there because it's it's not forgiving. No, you're absolutely right. It it really you know the thing I like about it honestly is that it it makes you pay more attention to to the weather. It makes you pay more attention to the vines, um, all the different various cycles that are going on. You know we we look at what's going on underneath the soil, working with this kind of mycorrhizome and the um, uh, the soil health initially, but also that sort of translates up into the into the vine canopy and, and the cover crops that we're using, and some of the the, uh, the beneficial insects that are that are working in their in their little uh, uh, biospheres with everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it makes you makes you focus. So that's that's one thing that I, I would say um, is sort of an inherent benefit is that that you can't really take your eyes off the ball um, when you're running a, a vineyard organically because. Uh, if you look away, things can go wrong. You you know, you've got a lot of experience. People probably don't know how many, I think you've done over 30 harvests around the world in, you know, in your short winemaking life, going back and forth, I guess, uh, two a year, that kind of thing. But now that you've been in the Naramata for, for a number of years, what, what do you think about the piece of dirt you're on and the place you're at? And where, how do, where do we fit in, do you think, in the wine world? Well, I think just generally the Okanagan is super exciting. That's why I came here kind of over 15 years ago. I saw that there was there was lots going on, and the wines that were were uh, initially coming out were pretty exciting. And you know, from a climactic point of view, you've got a uh, you've got a north south valley, and then you've got the sort of adjacent Smokamine Valley, which is is almost as exciting, I think. Um, so there's there's lots of opportunity because we can grow cool climate Riesling at one end and we can grow kind of rich ripe Shiraz at the other end and everything in between so you know for where we are in Naramata I think it's uh, we have almost exactly the same heat units as Burgundy um, mm. right here and and I I mean for, for us on the estate we, we planted Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and I think that that's starting to to show some success so um, you know from a from a climactic perspective um Maybe climate change is going to is going to uh, cause some issues going forward. Maybe it's going to be helpful in other ways. But um, I think that that uh, our focus is generally, you know, we have Pinot Noir and Chardonnay on, in Naramata, which I think are great varieties. We get our reds from uh, our Shiraz comes from the Golden Mile area. Our Riesling comes from Naramata. Um, our Bordeaux come from down south. So it's, you know, we can use that that. Uh, um, climactic difference and that that latitude difference that we've got in the valley to to our benefit and so for that reason it's pretty unique there's not many regions in the world that that can make sort of world-class riesling and you know merlot in the same and syrah and merlot and chardonnay yeah it's interesting yeah exactly i know and yeah, it's amazing sure. uh, you've got a master of wine it's no easy task and I'm wondering, with all that you've done and all that you do on the property, um, how did you come up with the name Daydreamer, you and Rachel? That was uh, that was Rachel. So it's, it's really twofold. It was kind of it was always our dream to to start our own thing. And um, you know, when we finally got enough brass together to do it, we we uh, we thought that Daydreamer was probably a, 
a good uh, a good name to call it because we've been daydreaming about having our own place for so long. And uh, also, I think my wife thinks I'm a bit of a daydreamer, a bit of a space cadet. So, <laughs> right. Uh, and what would be your um, advice to someone just starting out in the business, if you could give them two things to think starting about? Out, I think that, you know, uh, for, for me, I was really lucky to have some good mentorship. I worked with some fantastic winemakers around the world and, um, it was just serendipitous that my uncle tended to, you know, was was one of the better winemakers in Australia at the time. So, I would say try and try and learn from people that have have gone before. Um, I think that just people generally, the, the concept of apprenticeship and mentorship is is um, is is less appreciated these days. But you know, experience means a lot. And as I get older, I, I you know, the more I I learn, the more I realise I don't know. And um, so I would say if, if you're just wanting to get involved in the industry, have a chat to people that are in the industry and that are doing things that you that you appreciate or maybe they're making wines that, that you, you, you like or you aspire to, then, um, you know, I would, I, would, I would talk to people. Uh, Marcus, before we let you go, for people who are interested in visiting Daydreamer, what, what will go on uh, over the fall and winter session at your winery? Can they drop by or do they buy wines online? How is it going to work? We're open by appointment, so we've got an appointment system, and, and um, uh, that's been um, working really well. Um, uh, we can kind of space out tastings, and we'll be operating that right into the fall. Um, and then we, uh, we've got online as well, so Daydreamer Wines. Um, .ca is uh, is where people can find us. But, uh, yeah, make an appointment and come visit it and you can taste for yourself. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Enjoy the holiday season with award-winning wines from Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. Visit their tasting room any day of the week from 11 to 5. Elevate your experience with their black glass blind tasting or book a private varietal-specific stemware tasting. Become a VIP and join their Crush Club. Your membership includes regular wine shipments, a 15% discount, early access to new releases, and free premium experiences. Miradoro Restaurant is also open. Explore the seasonal menu and book your reservations at tinhorn.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination? The Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. You know you want it, so come and get it. The Modest Butcher invites you to happy hour every day from 2 to 4 p.m. On the menu, beers, cocktails, wine by the glass or half liter, and don't forget about the new appies. Also making a comeback, Tommy and Tannen Tuesday. Get their tremendously sized tomahawk steak with all the fixins and a bottle of their tomahawk-worthy vino for $180. For more details and to book, visit modestbutcher.com. Come and get it. 
Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome to the Hello and Happy New Year, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. This year our travels will take us across BC wine country from Vancouver Island to the Okanagan, Kamloops and beyond. But we're excited to head to a new area just north of Kelowna known as Lake Country to chat with Curtis Cruzel and Sherry Lee Turner Cruzel of 50th Parallel Estate. The husband and wife team are passionately involved in every aspect of the winery, vineyard, and a very terrific restaurant. They most certainly portray a very welcoming atmosphere to this beautiful area they call home. Here's our conversation we had after all the grapes were harvested in the fall at 50th Parallel. So for the wine buffs out there, the, everybody realizes there's some fantastic places uh, across the big pond there in Europe that um, have traditionally gone some great wines and some uh, fantastic, uh, stylistically similar wines to the type of uh, things that we thought we could grow at 50th Parallel. So Sherry Lee and I basically, we, we uh, logically looked at where we are and, and the fact that we thought we could grow something really great at that location in line with what's happening in some of those places and, you know, sort of uh, up in Alsace, northern Alsace, the boundaries between Germany and France. And mm-hmm. um, that, I think, you know, told us that there was really something important that could happen here, like a connection place, a meeting place, being on the 50th parallel where we can actually bring people together around wine. Yeah. I, I've always sensed that, that you guys are more about the entire picture than just essentially just the wine. Like, you seem to enjoy the entire the, the entire thing that goes on in the wine business, from growing grapes to making wine to having people at the winery, building a restaurant. How, how, did, how do you have this this joy for wine how, how do how do you stoke it <laughs> it is wine for us is uh it, it's a it's a it's a great uh great business uh we always talk about how we're kind of in an entertainment business and hospitality is one of the things that both curtis and i grew up with and uh we just love it we love everything from the restaurant to the event to you know just being with our team and speaking Speaking of stoke, yeah. stoking it, tell us about this vintage and the fires and smoke that you've had to deal with. Oh, yes. Well, you know, what a season. it was pretty exciting, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, up, up and down the valley, I think, you know, traditionally over the years, we have what we call, you know, the smoke effect of, you know, secondhand smoke from our wonderful neighbors south in Washington, which I know impacts, you know, sometimes even in Vancouver and other places, and then, Sometimes we get our own fires. Of course, this year we had a few that were a little closer to home than we would have liked to have seen. We actually had the White Rock Lake fire was directly across the lake and visible from 50th, um, sort of in its later stages. But um, in reality, actually, I think um, for what we saw sort of central to North Okanagan, we didn't really get the longer term uh, exposure that you would typically be scared of um, at the time when there is on or when the, the grapes change color. Uh, was happening. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, through the winemaking process, haven't found uh, any sort of smoke taint or any sort of flavors in our wines where we are, despite the fact that we have some fires nearby. Some of those fires just sort of plume up and 
send the smoke right over us in, into Alberta. Unfortunately, sorry everybody over there. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but this year this year we uh, aren't seeing any impacts. Hopefully the folks down south don't see anything either. But um, we'll knock on wood. But uh, thankfully everything looks and tastes great. This looks like a fantastic vintage in tank. Well. Yeah, we should talk about where you are because there is quite a lot of interest now growing in in Lake Country. Was that was that a choice? Like I know, uh, you know, originally historically, Gray Monk set up in that area and sort of got the ball rolling, but nothing was there. There didn't have the same momentum as it seems now in Lake Country. What do you think about all the people moving in around you and and the excitement on on vineyards being planted there? Oh, it's yeah. fabulous. The fantastic. energy is amazing. And uh, now we've got uh, our, it's called the Scenic Sip Trail. And uh, we've got how many wineries? I guess we've got eight wineries. Eight the wineries line. along there. And it, the energy mm. is, it, it's contagious now. And it, it's great to see what, you know, our area itself uh, is producing. Yeah, and I think the, the beauty of our business is that we really aren't competing with each other. We're just a drop in the bucket in this wine world. But what's so exciting is to see the quality of the wines that are coming out of the area now as well. And Seeing, like you mentioned, um, you know, earlier, uh, we have so many great award-winning wineries in that area now. Greymonk was one of the founding uh, wineries in that area, absolutely. Our vineyard actually used to be a vineyard in the late 60s, early 70s called uh, St. Michelle, actually. And when Shirley and I were looking for a property, we looked up and down the valley. She used to have this uh, a car that was wrapped, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a curbs, uh, <laughs> sort of a curbs franchise that she used to have. So we would go up and down this, this uh, mini Cooper looking for properties yeah. up and down the valley, and as it turns out, right across from where we actually had a revenue property uh, at La Casa, we were staring right at what is now 50th Parallel, and what used to be wow. this um, very productive vineyard. Actually, as it turns out, so once we started talking to some of the great people that used to farm that property, and Frank Whitehead is, uh, he used to be really involved with that property. We found out it used to produce over 700 tons of fruit uh, of Marshall, Foch, Bacchus, and Okanagan Riesling, um, mm. all notorious culprits into some of the <laughs> Kelowna wines that we yeah. maybe weren't so famous for back then, but uh, yeah. certainly that property had huge viticultural potential, which is what we capitalized on. And as it turns out, we were looking for 20 acres, but we needed really a larger property to do all these great things around the hospitality that Shirley talked about. So well, yeah. it, it is exciting well, yeah, I mean, I love your choices. You you decide to focus on Pinot Noir. You only make one red wine. That's Pinot Noir. You also have given quite a lot of respect to Pinot Gris and Chardonnay. So super cool climate. Uh, I think it all fits together with 50th. You won three gold medals at the recent uh, National Wine Awards. you got to be happy about that. And I'm so delighted that a Pinot Gris uh, got a gold medal as well. I've loved your Pinot Gris, and I'm going to ask you about it because do you not put it in a can now as well? <laughs> yes, in fact, we do. Thank you, yes. We've affectionately called it... this glamour farming. And yeah, so glamour I... farming is for our canned wine. Our... Yeah, we actually make a beautiful pétillance as well, a sparkling uh, wine. We'll probably expand on that brand as well. So the important thing to note with, I think, this glamour farming brand is that we have the same quality of wine going into a canned product as we do in the bottle. So the Pinot Gris that we're putting into that can and our, and our uh, rosé and also our Gewürztraminer, they're all the same wines as we bottle under the 50th Parallel State label. So there's no difference in the wines as far as how they're made yeah. or anything like that. It's not a necessary product. I think the demand is there and people are showing that they like something that's high quality and portable. So being able to showcase that, and I think you maybe had a chance to try those, Anthony, I think uh, a little while back. I did, and, really- and I was... I was shocked by the quality, and I thought this has got to be the same wine that's in the bottle, but I couldn't find out 
exactly then that it was, but it sure tasted like it. So I'm really happy about that. And to be in a can, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's time for people to understand that it's all about what's inside the container. It's not about the container. So it's fantastic. Well, I think uh, our that... guests are. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Casey. Our guests are Curtis Crusoe and Sherry Lee uh, Turner Crusoe from 50th Parallel Estate Winery. And you have a wine club that I want to join, if only for the name. <laughs> yeah, we we know our our uh, club members are truly unparalleled, and that is the name of one of our fantastic Pinot Noirs that we produce. Um, and we have our club, which is the Unparalleled Club, which you absolutely have to join because we won't have much room left in it soon. Um, we're over, I think, 1,100 members now, and uh, you know, physically, we'll probably cap that wine club soon. Uh, but the beauty of that is we ship right across the country. Uh, Sherry Lee and I personally curate the, the selection of wines in there. We're notorious for overvaluing the shipments and giving some library releases in there as well. So then, of course, we have a fantastic pickup party, which this is the first time, Sherry, I think yeah, we've had since finally. 2019. I think it was the last time we got to bring all our club members together. So we just just had our pickup party, our October pickup party. Usually it's in the summer, right. but it was well attended, so it was exciting to see. So absolutely uh, get online and club <laughs> yeah i i don't want to run out of time here uh let's talk very quickly one you guys were both business people uh but not running this kind of business first of all a winery almost impossible all the jobs that need to be done then you open a restaurant as well you have a wine club how have you managed to like have you do you feel like your business acumen is as high as it's ever been now oh my god great question wow yeah I don't know if what we really know uh, at the I, end of the day. We I learned mean, so much. Just, <laughs> I think that's part of it. Uh, you just push limits, and I think you get to a certain point, and you just push another limit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the excitement of it. Yeah. True and true yeah. entrepreneur right here. Yeah, we pretty have, impressive. You have to, you have to surround oh, yourself you. with some pretty incredible people as well. So our winemaker, Matthew Fortuna, he is absolute a gem. Yeah. He's probably the only winemaker. I've ever met that doesn't have an ego. He is the softest, <laughs> kindest person, and he's on route to making, I think, the world's best Pinot Noir soon, which is what our goal is. Our chef, Kai Kroll, he's fantastic. He runs Block One, our restaurant. So we have, our, obviously, our restaurant out there. It's one of the highly acclaimed restaurants in Canada now. Uh, chef Kai also went to the um, uh, the great Canadian kitchen party a few years back and showed up well for, for the Central Okanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, Incredible so, team on, and, all across the board. Yeah, and then we have a fantastic yeah. events department as well, so we run large-scale events up to 350 people. So, yeah, I think we're gluttons, for, puni- gluttons for punishment. I for think sure. we like the challenge. And <laughs> yes. as you people, people would say to us, a wine, the wine business. Are you guys crazy? And I would say pretty much. That's exactly. you got to be a little bit insane to go into this business. But you also got to yeah. just live it and love it with passion. Well, I love that you both still have passion. And uh, I meet so many people. I remember meeting you early on and you told me all the things you were going to do. And I said, okay, well, let's see if they can do them. And uh, <laughs> uh, you've not only done them all, you've exceeded them, which is fantastic. And, uh, well, we wish you well with the upcoming season. And for people who haven't been to 50th Parallel, Jump in your car and get up there and visit the property. It's really an outstanding uh, piece of dirt and a fantastic restaurant and a great place to hang out uh, on any day in the Okanagan. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It was really fun to catch up and learn a little bit more about uh, Parallel 50. Thank thank you you. both so much. It was a pleasure, and uh, thanks for the belief over the years, Anthony. We appreciate that. You sure do. (laughs) Yeah, keep going. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. That's Curtis Cruzel and Sherry Lee Turner Cruzel. They're the owners and proprietors of 50th Parallel Estate Winery. 
Uh, just a reminder that along with our radio show, which airs 20 times each week across British Columbia, our podcast is there for you to listen to on your time, preferably with a glass of wine. You'll find us on any of the top podcast platforms, now including Spotify. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.